0: Well, good morning, church. Man, good to be here this morning. I hope you're excited. We're going to get into the Word this morning. I have this pail with me. Um, some of you recognize uh, pails like this. It's it's called all-purpose joint compound. You know what that means? Large mistakes. Large mistakes. Just about over a year ago, Jolyn and I were... Uh, doing some, uh, well, we were adding some things to our home, and uh, uh, we wanted to put this particular light fixture up in our uh, living room area. It didn't have an overhead light, and uh, we had found this fixture. It was a great deal, so we went ahead and purchased it, and it was one of those purchases where we really loved the light. Um, uh, It was a great deal, but it kind of hung down in the basement for a while, right? And I needed to figure out how in the world am I going to get power to up there because there was no crawl space. There was no uh, you know, space for me to, to crawl in and, and wire it up from the top. So I had to try and figure out, well, how am I going to get power from, from wherever I'm going to take it from to, to up there? So eventually what happened was uh, uh, after trying a variety of different ways, I ended up just drilling a, a large hole in the wall. And when I say a large hole, I mean it was large enough that I could fit in the hole. And so I put this large hole in the wall, and and I had to eventually come back, and I had to do this over and over and over again. I had to to patch the giant hole. Uh, There was another time in college that I was working with this particular material. Mud is the technical term for this. And I was working with this material, and uh, it was at the college at the time. And um, uh, we had made a big hole, and we needed to patch it up, so we put a piece of drywall in, and we began to mud it. And then we thought, well, this will be fun, because we were doing some remodeling, and we took out a permanent marker. And we started to write on the, on the mud that we had, had done, right? Uh, Because we're going to paint over it. It's no big deal. And we put the permanent marker uh, over the top. You know, Mike was here. You know, uh, isn't this fun? And all of these kinds of things. But what we didn't realize was that if you take a permanent marker to mud, what happens when you paint it is that the permanent marker bleeds through. And so we did what uh, any normal person would do. We took some more mud, and we, we, we tried to slide it over the top of the permanent marker. Well, this will fix it. Uh, so we, we put some more mud and did all the sanding, and the permanent marker bled through again. And we did this several times, and it just kept bleeding through, and it kept bleeding through. And, and uh, I, uh, to be tr- totally truthful um, with you, I can't exactly remember how we solved that problem. But the point was that it didn't matter how many layers of mud we placed over the top of it, the permanent marker was still going to bleed through, even when we tried to paint it. Sometimes our sin is like that. In fact, in the text that we're in this morning in Hebrews chapter 10, we just recognize again, we talked about inferior superior last week, remember? Remember? Uh, we're reminded again and again and again uh, that the system that was in place before didn't work. And so that's why Jesus had to come. You see, oftentimes what we try and do with our sin is we try and mud over the top of it. We try and try and take a, a large trowel with a lot of mud on it and we try and cover it over again and again. And the problem is that our sin has been written in permanent marker and it continues to bleed through. And when our sin continues to bleed through, uh, the problem is that we're trying to to be clean before the Lord, but we can't. We cannot add enough mud to our life. We cannot cover enough times for sin to go away. So in Hebrews chapter 10, it's just this story of a system that's not working. Uh, The Old Testament sacrificial system, uh, let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, There had to be sacrifices every day. Every day there were sacrifices. And we have this idea, uh, I think, in the Old Testament, like that's how they got forgiveness from sin, and that's not true. Let me just say right now, if you have an idea of the Old Testament sacrificial system, that they were being saved, that their uh, their sins were being forgiven because um, they were offering sacrifices daily, then, then you're sorely mistaken. It was not for the forgiveness of sin that sacrifice was being offered. It was for purity before a holy God. Only God can forgive sins. That's true now, and it was true in the Old Testament. The reason that they were offering sacrifice before God was because they needed to be clean before God. And so the system was a mud system. Are you with me? They had a large hole, and they kept patching it, And there was permanent marker behind it. And they said, oh, it's bleeding through. Let's put another layer on. Let's put another layer on. Let's put another layer on. Are you tracking? Let's sacrifice some more so we can be clean before a holy God. You see, cleanness and holiness go together. You probably heard that phrase, right? Cleanliness is next to holiness, holiness. right? Your mom probably told you that when she walked in your room as a teenager. She couldn't see the floor and she said something like cleanliness equals holiness. Well, in in the Old Testament sacrificial system, that's what the sacrifices were supposed to do. We serve a holy God. When we serve a holy God, His requirement of us is that we stand before Him and are clean. So we had to have a covering. Now, it was an insufficient covering. We covered that last week, right? It was an insufficient covering. It was mud for one day, and then the next day we had to come back and add another layer. And there was a special day, the Day of Atonement, when people would come in. The priest, the high priest, would go into this place called the Holy of Holies. It was was that place where people felt like they could be most close to God. And he would have to uh, offer a special sacrifice on that day uh, for himself and for the sins of the people. And yet it was an annual reminder, not that the the offering, not that the sacrifice was absolutely sufficient. It was an annual reminder that the people were still stuck in their sin. Are you all tracking with me? Right? We need a sufficient kind of sacrifice. We need a blood covering in a way that the permanent marker of our sin does not bleed through. That's what we need. I need that. You need that. If you're here this morning and you have breath, you need it. How many of you have uh, laundry baskets at home? You have laundry baskets? Yeah. Um, Here's this crazy thing about laundry at our house. There's always laundry in the basket. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, like, uh, we can have laundry, have, we can have done laundry, right? Like uh, like loads and loads of laundry. Are you all hanging with me on this? Right? You can have done the whites, and they can be pearly white, and, and you can have done the Tide with extra whatever Tide puts in it, and, 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 uh, and it, it can be wonderful, and you can have it folded and in the drawer, right? And the next day you wake up, and what happens? There is another basket. It seems like bulging with laundry. I think my, my bride consistently looks at the, the laundry basket that sits in our room and she just looks at it and she goes, how? I just did laundry. How is this possible? That, that is our sin. We do not have a detergent good enough to wash our clothes once forever. I know that we wish we did but we don't uh, the fact of the matter is that we need a detergent for our life that is greater not so that we can be reminded of how dirty our life is but so that we can be reminded of how good god is his grace and his all uh, all surpassing supreme kind of cleansing power we need that kind of detergent you see our lives are dirty And we need to be clean. That's what this sacrifice is talking about in chapter 10. If you're with me, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. I'm going to read really all the way through verse 14. Are you ready for this? If you want to follow along, and I encourage you to do so, it's on page 842 in the Pew Bible in front of you. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are to come. A shadow, a shadow, right? This is like Peter Pan and his shadow. Not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, everybody say never, never, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect or complete those who draw near to worship. If it could would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins, right? Did you get that? The sacrifice was a matter of cleanness and completeness before God. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin, Because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. I'm going to read that again. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Only God takes away sin. Only God does that. Verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you didn't desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you weren't pleased. Then I said, right? He is quoting Isaiah here. Here I am. And then he goes on. It is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, O God. And first he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you didn't desire, nor were you pleased, although the law required them to be made. And then he said, Here I am. I've come to do your will. And he sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, Every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Everybody say never again. Never. never take away sin. But when this priest had offered all time, for all time, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. We'll talk about that in a minute. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. It's only Jesus that offers a once for all, supreme sacrifice for all. If there is no inner cleanser, then there is no ultimate forgiveness. If there is no ultimate detergent, there is no freedom from guilt and shame. If there is no once-for-all supreme sacrifice, there is no way we can have relationship with God. We have dirt underneath the service. It's the permanent marker that keeps us from joining in God the way He wants to join with us. Very early in in that text, it says, hey... uh, This other system wasn't working. It was not allowing people to be brought near to where God was. You want to be brought near to where God is, then you have to listen up and you have to be willing to say, I want to join with Jesus in the kind of sacrifice that he has done. There's all sorts of bleeding through that is done. I was trying to think of things that are permanent markers on our life. Kids sometimes smart off to their parents. Not in here, of course, but some other kids might smart off to parents. Students might cheat on tests. Spouses might yell at one another. We might experience gossip at work. People might get angry and begin to hate one another. We have a need to get clean, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Several years ago, Jolyn and I, um, we had a dryer, as most of you probably do, and it was downstairs, and we began to notice that there was this odor coming from the dryer in the basement. I mean, we'd put clothes in there, and it'd come out, no lie, I mean, it would come out smelling like death, and we were like... What stinks? You know, we had had mice down in our basement once in a while, so I started putting these little mouse traps out. Like, what happened? You know, where is it? Where's something dead? And this went on for a while. And uh, I remember, like, trying to clean the. You know, we're trying to clean the dryer. Um, you know, what happened? Let's say, uh, just for instance, that I I decided uh, to go and clean off. The entire outside of the dryer, and I, I clean the inside of the dryer, and, 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 and I didn't do this. but what, let's say that I, that I took a toothbrush and just got into those little cracks, you know what I'm talking about, and maybe took the console off the front and, and, and got the handles off and you, know, and no more lint anywhere. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Uh, so let's say that I, I, I were to do that with this particular dryer. If I put clothes in it, it still smelled bad. It still, still smelled like death. You know, you know what the problem was with that dryer? You see, it was cold, and there was this little vent. You all have this little vent, by the way, that goes outside, right? And the little flaps, you know, come open. And there was this little bird that decided that it was warm. And somehow, with the flaps open, had crawled into the vent. And this is not a good place for birds. And it had died in the vent. And then it, it, you know, did what things do when they die. It began to decompose. And then every time we ran the dryer with our clothes in it, our clothes came out smelling like death. No. Why do I say all that? If you are not willing to engage the power of the supreme sacrifice of Jesus, then what you are doing is going down to the dryer and wiping it off and taking a, a toothbrush to all the knobs and taking out all the lens, but you're not taking care of the death that's inside. You can do all that you want to the outside. But you have to remove the death that's there. Otherwise, every time you start the process over, it's just going to stink like death. You have to remove death first. Now listen, listen. Ritual is important for us. Uh, Ritual is important. Uh, We've engaged in a ritual this morning, haven't we? We gather together. That's a ritual. It's a good one. We should continue to do it. We should encourage others to do it. We should do it every week because it's important, right? We engage in ritual like communion. We take these elements that, that mean a great deal to us. It's important to us. It's part of our faith. It's part of how we go about practicing. It's really important. We sing songs. Why? Because we want to worship God. We want to say, God, I am not here for me. I am here for you. I want to make sure that you understand that you are the audience this morning. And and, and we want to glorify you. That's why we do. There's lots of rituals that we do. But understand this. ritual. While it plays a huge role in developing our faith, it's not what affects our salvation. Hear me out. These things are absolutely fundamental to our growing faith. We need to do them. But if that's all we do, if that's where our belief really lies, then what we are saying is, I'm going to figure out how to do enough ritual so that I can get clean. And let me make clear, what you're doing is you're taking the mud bucket, and you're taking the trowel, and you're just trying over and over again to cover up your own sin. What you need is the blood of Jesus. Attendance can't get you there. Giving is not going to get you there. Leadership is not going to get you there. Commitment to a a small group isn't going to get you there. Fasting two times a week isn't going to get you there. Praying over and over isn't going to get you there. Are all those things absolutely fundamental to our growing faith? Yes. But what we need is the blood of Jesus. I want you to look at verse 1. The law is a shadow of the good things that are, that are coming, not the reality themselves. It can never, 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 ever, never, never, by the same sacrifice repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. You can do things over and over, ritualistically, over and over. We can practice them. We can do them. But ritual is not good enough to affect your salvation. So what's the solution? Look in verse 10. Look at verse 10. Jesus goes through and he says, Here am I. Here am I. I want to do your will. And he says, We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once For all, Jesus alone, Jesus alone offers His own blood, His own sacrifice, and it alone has the potency to clean me. It has the potency to clean me and the longevity to provide hope for me over shame. Jesus and His sacrifice alone has the potency to clean me and the longevity to provide hope instead of shame. We need a potent detergent. If we don't have a potent detergent, we're just going to go back to the ritual again. If we give an honest look to Scripture, it's kind of gruesome sometimes. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I don't know that we love talking about it, but it comes up a lot in our songs, right? Right? Well, we, it comes up in communion meditations in that First Peter passage that was read this morning. Uh, it, it comes back over and over again to blood, right? Uh, we might get a little squeamish if we were watching this movie, right? Uh, but blood is coming up all the times. Why? Because sacrifice had to be offered for us to be clean, You want to be clean? Then there has to be an adequate detergent. The only adequate detergent there is uh, for that permanent marker of sin not to bleed through the mud that we're trying to cover it up with is Jesus' blood. That's why we talk about the blood of Jesus. It's talked about in other places in Scripture. In 1 John 1.7, it says, The blood of Jesus cleanses, washes, or purifies us from all unrighteousness. Revelation 7.14 Right. John is trying to get us to understand uh, the kinds of folks, the character kind of folks uh, who are, are are looking or who are enjoying heaven. And he says this, they wash their robes. Right. Symbols in my mind of their life, their character, their person. He, he said they wash their robes and he made them white in the blood of the lamb. There's probably a dozen more scriptures that we could look at in which it talks about Jesus' blood. So why is it that we, why, why is it that we heighten Jesus' blood? Why is it that we sing songs about Jesus' cleaning? Right? I, I was thinking this this week, and I was thinking of some of the jingles out there, there are for cleaning products, and I was thinking this, there's clean and then there's Jesus' clean. We sing songs like, There's power, power, wonder-working power In the blood of the Lamb. Hopefully Josh is leading that. And then sometimes we'll even try and make fun of that, like, there's power, 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 power. But it's all in the blood of the Lamb. We sing songs like, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. And and we get to the end of that song, and it says, Washes white as snow. It's about cleanness. We recognize that when we talk about the blood of Jesus, we're talking about we want to be pure. We want to be clean. Uh, We want uh, whatever is there as part of sin in our life that's wrong with our life uh, to be gone. We come to Jesus for His cleansing power. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Other songs like, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood of the lamb. Over and over again, we sing these songs. It's about the blood. It's about the blood. It's about the blood. Now, understand this. If there is no full sacrifice, if Jesus is not dying on the cross, if there is no shedding of blood on Jesus' part, there is no forgiveness. There's none. It's the opposite side of the resurrection. Uh, Paul's going to talk about in other places of Scripture. Hey, if there's no resurrection, then we're stuck in our sin. This is the opposite side of that. If there is no death, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus has to die. He has to go. He has to die. He has to shed his blood so that you and I can know cleanness. You want to be clean? You want release from burden? You want to know the release from shame and guilt that constantly comes back at you and says, Oh, yeah, I know what you did last summer. I know what you did last night and last week. There's power in the blood of the Lamb. Now, catch this. Catch this. Don't miss it. Verse 12. But when this priest, talking about Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for his sins, he sat down... I love it. He sat down at the right hand of God. Why do I, why do I laugh? Jesus sat down. He says, this priest sat down. Here, here's, what, here's what Hebrews is saying. Jesus closed the door. Jesus said, game over. Jesus said, I am putting the gavel down. Jesus dropped the mic and walked off stage. He said, Elvis has left the building. When it says that Jesus sat down, he is saying this sacrifice absolutely has the potency, has the longevity, absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, to clean you forever. You never have to go back to trying to offer some kind of ritualistic sacrifice day after day. You can know absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no shame in your life anymore. Past, present, and future. But... You have to trust in Jesus' name. You have to trust in His sacrifice and His blood. That's what the book of Hebrews is trying to get us to understand. You want to be clean? You have to trust in Jesus. His sacrifice, the potency of the kind of detergent that He is offering, the longevity of which He offers it. He's saying, I want to provide for you of life outside of guilt and shame forever. I want that life. I want it. And the great thing is, I don't have to earn it, but I do have to accept it. Look at verse 13. Notice this, verse 13. It just keeps getting better. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. So he's done it. He's sacrificed once for all, completely. It's potent. It, it, it's it's, it's going to last the test of time. It's absolutely. Jesus walked off stage. He said, this is done. I have done it. It is finished. Uh, but notice, now he's sitting with God in heaven. And he goes, he's sitting up there like this. I, I teach, uh, or I, 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 I get to coach third and fourth grade soccer which if you've never coached third and fourth grade soccer, it's something that everybody needs. So I've got this third and fourth grade soccer team, and sometimes I have these girls who just won in the game, right? They're like, Coach, is it my time? Is it my time yet? Right? Right? I mean, they want to get in the game. They, they want to go. And I just imagine Jesus with God in heaven going, is it my time yet? God, can I go? Can I go yet? Is it my time? You want me out on the field? I mean, he is waiting. And in chapter 9, verse 28, it says um, that, that there are people, that's you and I, who are eagerly waiting, you eagerly anticipating his return. We are waiting for him and he is waiting to come back for us. It's like, it's like a, it's it's really almost like a a sixth grader wanting to go out and 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 prove right that he is just better, and Jesus is up there going, put me in, Coach, because I'm ready, let me in. Do you love the image? He's waiting to make his enemies a footstool. How many of you have one of those uh, lazy boys at home or a recliner of some kind, and, and you'd pull that or push that little button and, and, the, and the feet thing comes up? Nobody else has one of these. Okay, all right. Um, so uh, I, all right, this illustration will work for me then. Uh, so I, I sit in my chair, and it's this really old chair, but I really love it, and if Joellen ever tries to get rid of it, I, I don't know what I might do. but. I love sitting in this chair, and you know one of the things I love about this chair is it's got this little thing. Um, It doesn't have the push button yet because it's that old, but it's got this this lever, and you kick it up, and it's like, ah, right? You love it. It's the end of the day. You're like, I just, I need a rest. Jesus says, my lever is going to be my enemies, and I'm going to put my feet on them. And they're going to be know the power of God. They're going to know absolute humiliation at the power of the, the God of the universe. The, 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 the enemies who are constantly trying to remind you of how bad you are. The enemies that are constantly trying to remind you to go back and live in fear and live in the guilt that your sin has offered you. Those are the enemies that Jesus is going to make a footstool. And he's going to prop up at the end of the day and say, no, a little lower, please. That's what Jesus is waiting to do. And notice what he's doing in the process. Look at verse 14. He says, because, because by one sacrifice, notice what he's doing. Notice what he's doing. Because by one sacrifice, He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He is making us complete. You don't have to go and try and look for completeness anywhere else. It only happens when we trust in Jesus and the sacrifice that He's offered Jesus is putting the enemies to rest. We have victory in Him. Now, I can hear the objection. Mike, you you don't know what I've done. You don't know the kind of sin that I have. I've seen that and said that and smoked that and slept with them and thought that and watched that and touched that. Right? I can hear the objection. No, no, no. You don't understand. I'm really bad. I'm I'm a really bad person. You don't know the things I've done. And you're probably right. You probably have done all those really bad things. But there's no clause in this text. There's no clause in this text that says, well, you know, Jesus' sacrifice is good enough as long as you haven't committed this sin. As long as you've not slept with someone who wasn't your spouse. As long as you've not said a bad word. As long as you've not hated someone. uh, As long as you've always been good. As long as you go to church every... No, that's not here. Notice what is here. He keeps coming back to this. Isn't this wonderful? He keeps coming back. Verse 17. He said, Then he said, "Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Forever. He's completing us. So you have two options. If you're the one raising the objection, you can't understand how bad I am, then let me offer this to you. I think you have a faith problem. And you have to make a decision on who you're going to trust. Are you going to trust yourself? Or are you going to trust Jesus? You see, because when you say that that your sin is too big or too much, then what you're saying of Jesus is that he doesn't have enough value to handle the kind of things that you have problems with. And so the option is this. You trust yourself and you go back to ritual. And you take up the trial and you keep Tasting mud over the top of your sin every day, over and, over and 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 over again. Or, you trust in Jesus. And you trust that His sacrifice is enough, the potency is enough, and the longevity is enough to absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, cover you from any sin that you've ever committed. And you can move on with a life without guilt and without shame. We've been talking about strength for the journey. And I can think of no bigger way to have strength in a journey with God in life than knowing that I am free from sin. That I don't have to go back to the mud anymore. That the detergent is absolutely sufficient. And the covering is absolute. You want strength for the journey? There's power in the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, thanks so much. You're good to us. Your word is unbelievable. And Father, I I am struck this morning by how awesome you are, by the power that you have to clean us clean us this morning. Help us to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.